So join us here at 5.30. We're all going to go over together and just love on the people at the forum shops so that they know uh, a great church is here. We need a lot of leaders in the children's ministry. If you are interested, we had a miracle this week in the children's ministry. We have a wonderful family, young family in our church that... uh, You know, they love what God is doing here. And I sat down with them this week and talked about the children's ministry and how we're renovating the family center and upgrading the family center. And we believe in children. We want to have a world-class facility for children. Well, they just got so excited about what God was doing that they wrote us a $20,000 check to upgrade our family center. We are so excited. It is going to be world class what God is doing here. And we're going to make that more beautiful than Disneyland. But we need help. We need leaders. If you want to serve in children's ministry once a month or twice a month or every once in a while, we need people that love children to sign up to help us lead a great children's ministry here. We value children here and we want to build the children of our church. Well, we are so blessed today. We have a wonderful family uh, here that we have been supporting for many, many years out of this church. As you know, my heart as a pastor, one of the things I feel so blessed about as a pastor is that God put me in a community where right in our backyard, we have our very own third world nation in Tijuana. And we have a passion for Tijuana. I really believe God sent us here so that we can mobilize this community. I mean, how many understand God didn't plant coastline in one of the wealthiest communities in America to build a resort for Christians? That's not why we're here. We're here to mobilize the people of this community to do significant things for the gospel of Christ. And one of our passions is we want to take over Tijuana one day for God. We want to see the drug war end. We want to see lives change. And we have a wonderful family that we have been supporting. They're one of our first steps in taking over Tijuana, our love and our support for them. A godly missionary family that's been running an orphanage in Tijuana for a number of years now. And I want to invite that family up with me, Gabby and Victor and the whole family. If you guys will join me up here, we have an interpreter. Where's Rosita? She is our interpreter. The children, come on up. Just the whole family, come on up. And we just want to introduce to you La Vision B in Tijuana, Mexico. You've been supporting them for many years. This is their first time at Coastline Church. Come on up, y'all. Come on over here with me, y'all. This is their very first time at Coastline Church. Uh, They got all their visas and paperwork in order to come and visit us. And we are so excited about what God is doing there. You know, it takes a special person to give up a great career, give up a great life to go and build and run an orphanage. And this family, they had great careers and they gave all of that up to adopt over 28 children and build an orphanage and love people. How many know it takes a great step of faith to do something like that? And we're standing here with an awesome man and woman of God, powerful, powerful people in the Lord. And I want to talk to them a little bit. Rosita, if you'll come over here with me and help me uh, communicate. She is our interpreter this morning. Uh, I I just want to ask them what God is doing. Just give us an update of what God is doing and just greet the people. This is uh, Victor, 
and this is Gabby, and Juan, Juanito, Sarai, Sarai and Berenice. So these are our friends from Tijuana, La Vision B. And um, so I'm going to try to help uh, to be the interpreter here for, I don't know, Richard and Gabby. First of all, he like to send a greeting to everybody and send a message from all the children of La Vision B for all of us. Porque ellos fueron los que estuvieron orando para que Dios nos concediera la visa y venir personalmente a dar las gracias a todos ellos. ¿Quiénes estaban orando? Todos los niños estaban orando. The children in La Vision um, want to thank everyone because they've been the ones that have been praying and they know that you have been praying uh, for their visas to be approved. So they are very excited about that. The children will be very happy if they could be here themselves to give you, all of us, um, their thanks. So do you want to ask? How, how many children are there now with you guys? Quantos? 28. 28 children. And what is your biggest need right now? They are praying for their own land. Own land. So they like to have their own land. What, what would be a dollar figure that you would need to raise to be able to get your own land? $50,000. There may be someone here this morning that wants to write a $50,000 check to help them. Just going to throw that out there subtly. Thank you, guys. We'll be praying for you and believe God for big things. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for this orphanage and this family, three children of their own, and to adopt 28 more, God. That is your heart. That is the only religion that you endorse is to take care of widows and orphans, God. So we pray a blessing, God. We pray that you would provide the $50,000 they need. Maybe through someone here this morning or a couple people here this morning, you'll touch their heart and, and be a part of what you are doing in Tijuana through the lives of these children, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being Give them a hand. Guys. Just, just so you know, uh, we've, we've supported the, the La Vision B through several different offerings. And, and as you know, the kingdom assignment that we put on a year ago uh, presented them with some sustaining dollars. Um, and then the one that we just concluded this last summer, we, we, we raised $1,400 for each of the, of the different charities that we were supporting. And uh, this, is, this check here is uh, the balance of, of that. We supported them with their visas. And also, we're going to give them some Christmas gifts. And here's a little cash to pay for their electrical bill. So thank you very much for your generosity and, and really the continuing support for La Vision B. We really Amen. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Bless you, guys. That's right. Give them a hand for what they're doing. Thank you, guys. You guys be seated. Well, that's why church... That's why it's exciting 
to be a part of the church because you're giving to make a difference in people's lives. And as we prepare ourselves to uh, receive tithe and offerings this morning, I want to give you another example of what the local church is doing in people's lives so that when you partner with us financially, you understand you're not just giving to light bills, but you're giving to change lives. Cameron, would you come up here? for me. Cameron is my new assistant here on Sundays. He's a young man from the community, uh, 15 years old, awesome young man of God. And I want him to share his testimony with you of how Coastline has been changing his life so that as you partner with us, you understand where your money goes. It's not just going, as I said, to, to bills, but it's literally going to see people's lives change. Cameron, would you share with us this morning? Well, there's a lot of people in this room. Um, I don't know, just because I said it first service also, just to start off, I want to know, I want to tell everybody that there is everybody here and everybody outside of here has a situation that they're going through right now, you know, and it's difficult and it could be difficult. It could be easy. You know, it's just a little thing or a big thing. Well, mine is, well, four years ago, I decided to come to Coastline and there's nothing that was going to stop me really. I had nothing else to do and I got invited by a friend. I have no, I have parents that just don't really have the time or want to come to church. They want to, they just don't really apply their time. And I feel that maybe we could change that as a group. But um, what I do know is that Coastline and everybody here and people right here and behind me and in front of me have helped me so much to become a better person and connected to Christ as much as I can. And I want to start off by saying April 8th of 08, um, my brother passed away from drugs related and I thought it would be, and I thought it would be a big change. It was a big change. And, and someone told me outside, you're never going to get over it. It's always going to be there. And I feel the same way. It may, it might kind of sink in and close a little bit, but you're always going to have the feeling that, you know, he's there or it's always going to be there, the, the hurt. And you can kind of flip the hurt sometimes to like, you know, you can look at it as a as a good side and say, you know, I, I learned from this because um, I was I went to a private school because I wasn't handling it so well, and I because I got wrapped up in some substances myself, and I decided that maybe that'd be the best way to get close to them. And that was not the best way, and um, what the big problem is is that I got back, I succeeded, I graduated the program. And I came back, and I didn't have, I guess I didn't have the right tools. And I decided to go back to substances. And, you know, it got me in, I don't know how I remember all these dates, but August 4th, um, it, it, I got in trouble with the law. And I'm currently on probation, which is a struggle because, you know, I have curfews and I hang out with friends. And it's just, you know, I need a, coming to Coastline has helped me so much. And I know that I have struggles that these little clicks in the road, but they're still going to go past, and I'm still going to overcome them no matter what. And I feel like, you know, no matter what happened in my life, and what happened in your guys' life is is going to change because, you know, the Lord is doing something in everybody's life right now. And I feel like that's just a big thing, and, you know, everybody here has helped me so much. I mean, I remember we would have amazing times down in the, down in the youth, and putting it all together as one, as you now see people here that are teenagers instead of, like, adults, it would be, it's a really a blessing that we can all come together as one. 
I feel like that's the best thing. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Great. Thank you. That's what church is all about. Here's a young man who has to walk to church by himself because his family doesn't go to church. And yet Coastline is changing his life. So as you give this today, realize that God is using your gift to multiply an impact in people's lives. Because there's so many people like Cameron in this community, not just 15 years old. There's people that are 65 years old in the same situation, broken and lost and away from God. And we are here as a church to be a light to this community and be a difference to this community. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, today we give, Lord. And we pray that you would multiply our gift, Father. Increase our gift, God, that it can do more to reach people and change lives than anything we could ever imagine. Father, it is an honor today to partner with you with our giving and with our finances, Lord, to see your local church established in this community and to see lives change, God. Lord, we are so grateful you've given us this opportunity. Thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're making a check, make it payable to Coastline Church or feel free to use the uh, online giving on your mobile phone or your home computer. Uh, Thank you for partnering with us. Fortress, you are our rock. A mighty fortress, you are our God. Strength and salvation, you give to us. For you are good, Lord, you are good. A mighty fortress, you are our rock. A mighty fortress, you are our God. You are our hope, tender, and our trust. Here we go. I will sing of your justice to you give me grace take a joyful shout to God with gladness and hear your people say come on a mighty fortress you are our rock a mighty fortress you are our God strength and salvation you give to us for you are good Lord a mighty fortress, you are our rock. A mighty fortress, you are our God. You are our hope, defender, and our trust. Here we go. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name. Thank you. 
Well, we'll, well, we'll cancel the video. video. Uh, uh, we'll let it keep going. Sorry. We are in the Blessed Life series. This is week number two. And uh, already this morning, I made a lot of friends and enemies in the first service. Uh, it's a fun message to preach. But let me make a couple quick announcements. We have our new intern from London, England. Uh, Dan is with us now. He came in Thursday night. He's going to be working with us for the next month. He's an ultimate fighter, MMA fighter, and just a great godly young man on fire for the Lord. So if you want to hear someone say things in a cool English accent, please go talk to him and make him feel at home afterward. Dan, just stand up and wave to everyone. I'll have you greet the people next week. So Dan is here. And then my best friend in all of the world, we've been friends for many, many, many years, and he's been with me through a lot of hard times. Him and his wife, Joel and Karen, are with me. I'm so glad they're here. Just want to let them know how much I love you guys. You guys are absolutely awesome. So make them feel at home after service. Well, let's get into the message this morning. Uh, The fun thing about being a pastor is, you know, especially when you preach about money in the church, people get very, very uncomfortable. And one of the things you'll see in America today, because there have been many people that have perverted the message on money in the body of Christ, that have perverted the the prosperity gospel is what we call it in America. A lot of pastors today are very uncomfortable and timid when it comes to preaching about money. And in fact, they oftentimes get very apologetic when they preach about money. And they say, oh, you know, I don't want to apologize this morning. We're going to be... I don't understand why we do that. I've never seen a pastor apologize for talking about faith. I've never seen a pastor apologize for talking about love. So why do we apologize as pastors for talking about money? The reason we preach on faith is to help people. The reason we preach on love is to help people. The reason we teach God's word about money is to help people. But with the money being so perverted in America today, it does make a little sense why people are afraid to preach about it. But think about it. Out of 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them were about money. Did you realize there are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible that deal with money? Do you know how many scriptures there are that deal with faith? About 500. Do you know how many scriptures there are in the Bible that deal with love? Also, about 500, but there are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible talking about money. But it's one of the least preached about subjects in the body of Christ, but it's one of the most important areas of discipleship for believers is to understand how to handle money in a godly context. And so I want to talk today about the blessed test about the tithe. Let's get into it a little bit. First, let me ask you a question. I want to I ask you a blessing question. And now, remember this context. Today in the world, there are over half of the people alive today, close to 3 billion people on planet Earth today that live on less than $2 a day. 
Think about that. Over half of the world's population, 3 billion people live on less than $2 a day. Understanding that, in that frame of mind, how many of you recognize this morning that you are way, way, way blessed today? You are blessed. You are absolutely blessed. And you're absolutely right. But there is good news and there is bad news. The good news is you are correct. You are blessed. God blessed us. We didn't deserve it. God's grace. God's, I mean, think about it. What's the difference between you and a child that is born in an orphanage in Africa? Nothing. You're both human beings. You're both valuable God. There is simply God's grace on your life that you were born in America as opposed to being born in an orphanage in Africa. And with grace comes responsibility. With blessing comes responsibility. We as Americans have a responsibility to be a blessing to the world because God has blessed us. He has blessed us. That is the good news. It is correct. God bless you. We don't deserve it, yet he blessed us anyways, but there's also bad news. What is the bad news? This is the bad, the bad news is the chances are this morning that you are a very, that the chances are very good that you are a below average giver. That's very true. Studies show us that as income increases, the percentage of our giving decreases. That's shocking. I mean, wouldn't you think that the more blessed you are, the more you would give, the more generous you would be? But studies clearly show us that as income increases, the percentage of what people give decreases. Let me give you some statistics about America alone. The average person in America, the average middle class income in America, the average person gives 3.1% of all of their income to charity, not just churches, but all charities in general, 3.1% of their income. Now, this is shocking. People who make less than $10,000 a year, well below the poverty line, people who make less than $10,000 a year, do you know what their giving is? Their giving actually goes up to 5.2%. So people who make less give more percentage-wise. Now, look at this. People who are extraordinarily blessed, people who make over $200,000 a year in income, over $200,000 a year, do you know what their giving goes to? Their giving across the board on average in America today, if you are extraordinarily blessed, you make $200,000 plus a year, the giving on average is 0.7%, less than 1%. The people who are extraordinary. So the people who make less give more. The people who make more give less. So the good news is that, yes, you're below average givers, but you're not below average at everything. There is good news. The good news is, though you may be a below average giver, you are highly likely to be an above average spender. That's the good news. And here's what is absolutely crazy. Some of us in America have actually figured out how to spend more than we make. I mean, we actually have plans on how to spend more than we make. And we learned it from our government. Our government has this philosophy that we just spend and spend and spend. And we'll just create new money and spend and go into trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. It's a good plan, right? See, here's what I hope you understand today. We're talking about the blessed test. God is testing you. God wants to know if you're going to be faithful this morning. Here's the question if you're taking notes. God wants to know 
Will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? God wants to know. Will you love and trust money and things and material possessions or will you love and trust God? Luke chapter 16, verse 10 and 11. Look at this with me. Luke 16, verse 10 and 11. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in what is much. We talked about that last week with the bag mindset. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, and we're going to talk a little bit about that word mammon in a moment, who will commit to you true riches? See, another translation for mammon is money. And he's saying, if we can't trust you with money, how can we trust you with true riches? God is testing you. God wants to know if you can handle the blessed life. Why? Because God knows something. God understands that for most of you here this morning, money and things and material possessions will always be the number one competitor for your heart. See, truthfully, many of you right now, you're already starting to get defensive. You're already starting to get up. You're already saying to yourself, why in the world do we pick this Sunday to come to church? I mean, out of all Sundays, we chose the Sunday. The pastor's talking about ties. And you're getting defense because truthfully, you know, the, the reason is because for most of you, money is the number one competitor for your heart. Why? Because money is a counterfeit God. Money's a counterfeit God. Money promises you what only God can provide. You see, money promises you security. If you have more money, you're going to be more secure. You can get bigger gates and a bigger security system and a safer home and live in a nicer neighborhood. Money promises you security. Money promises you freedom. If you have more money, then you're going to have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. You can travel and you can be free and you've got all the money to be free. Money promises you power. If you have more money, you're more powerful. You can influence people. You can, you can change things with money. Money promises you significance. If you have more money, you can be more important. But the reality is, how many of you understand, only God can provide true security. You can be a bazillionaire. You can make millions and millions of dollars. And when your son gets hit by a car, you realize how insecure you really are. And how money not is always the answer for your life. You can have all the money in the world, but you got to understand Christ is the only person that can give you real, true significance in the world. Money is a counterfeit God. Matthew 6.24 says it like this. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon with your money. There's one or the other. In some Bible translations, they say God and money, but Jesus was very specific. Jesus uses the word mammon here. Why? Because the people of that historical context, they understood what the word mammon was. Because if you really begin to study the word mammon, you find out it's an ancient Aramaic word that Jesus is using. And the ancient Aramaic word is actually the Syrian god of riches. He's talking about a counterfeit God here, a Syrian God of origin. Oxford Dictionary defines mammon as the God of wealth, regarded as evil or immoral. Those who worship mammon are equivalent to greedy people who value their money too highly. 
And if you really study out what mammon is, this, the spirit of mammon, this counterfeit God, you begin to realize and understand and discover that mammon is actually the spirit the Antichrist will use to rule the world. See, the Antichrist doesn't rule the world through nuclear threat. The Antichrist rules the world through fear of financial insecurity. You take the mark of the beast. Why? So that you can be able to buy and sell. Mammon is that spirit on money. Mammon wants us to love money. Mammon wants you to worship money. It wants you to worship things. And God wants to know, will you love and trust money? Or will you love and trust God? See, what did he say? Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And when we discover what the tithe is, you begin to realize the tithe is a redemption principle. Let's, and realize quickly, God didn't say you can't serve both God and your job. It wasn't God in your house or God in your car. It was God and mammon. It's a counterfeit God. Are you going to love God or are you going to love money? Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust? And I know most of you this morning, you're saying to me now, come on, pastor. I like money. I need money. I use money. You know, I'd like to have a little bit more money, but let's be honest. I don't love money, really. Well, let me ask you, for example, how many of you would say this morning, if I had just a little bit more money, it would make my life better or easier? How many would say that? Just be honest. How many would say if I had just a little bit more money, it would make my life easier? See, raise your, be honest. See, here's what the Bible says. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Interesting, isn't it? Whoever loves money will never have enough. See, God is testing us. God wants to know, will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? This is the blessed test. This is part of the blessed life. And remember, this isn't the blessed pocketbook series. It's not all about money. It's the blessed life series. See, the blessed life is about having a blessed marriage, a blessed family, blessed health. Money is a part of that, but it's the blessed life. So let's look at a couple angles about this test this morning. Let me first give you my response. This is what I believe is the Christian response. This is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple, if you're a a born-again believer, this is the response that I believe we will give to God when we have the blessed test. This is it. This is the promise I give to God. I will give my God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. I will give God my first and my best so that God can bless the rest. Now, let's, look, let's let Scripture speak about this. Look at Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 with me. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. You can follow on the screens. And all the tithe. Now, that word tithe is the Hebrew word myaser, which means tenth or ten percent. All of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy or set apart to the Lord. A tithe of everything, it says. A tithe of all of your increase, a tithe of what you earn, a tithe of if you sell your house for a profit, a tithe of that increase or a tithe of that profit. Whatever increase I see in my life, a tithe is the Lord's. A tithe belongs to God. It is not mine. It is holy. It is set apart. It is his. If you're a technical person this morning, then you understand tithing is not giving. It is returning. 
you cannot give your tithe to God. You can't give it because it's not yours. All you can do as a believer is to return it back to God. The Bible says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. It does not say give the tithe. It says, bring the tithe, return the tithe to God. It is his, he owns everything. And all he asks us to do is to be a faithful steward and return the tent, the first tent, the, the first fruit of it. And, and if you're really technical, let me explain something else. You can't give a tithe if you're giving 10% if it's left over at the end of the month. A tithe is not giving God leftovers. I know plenty of people that give 10% to God and it's not a tithe because they give it at the end of the month if they have it left over. That's not a tithe. A tithe has to be given out of faith. It's your first fruit. It's the first tenth that you give to God. Let me explain it a little bit more. Let me add, you three guys, come on up here real quick. These three right here, just step up here real quick. Uh, I, I want to explain it to you a, a little differently so you can understand it. Now, this is Blake and... Jay, Mitch, Jay and Mitch. Okay, let's say I'm going on a trip for the next two years and I love my wife, my beautiful bride, and I wanna make sure my, my wife, my bride is, is taken care of. I wanna make sure that she has everything she needs. I'm, I'm gonna be gone for two years and, and I wanna make sure everything, and how many know, Jesus calls the church the bride of Christ. I want my bride to be taken care of. So I tell Blake, I say, Blake, I'm going to go on a trip for two years. This is what I'm going to do. Every month, I'm going to give you $10,000. I'm going to wire it into your bank account. And out of that $10,000, all I want you to do is take $1,000 and give it to my wife so that my wife has what she needs. She's taken care of. You can do whatever you want with the other $9,000. You can buy a condo. You can buy a boat. Whatever you want to do with the other $9,000, just all I ask you to do is take 1000 of it and give it to my wife. That's it. Just, just give it to my wife. Is that a good deal? I would say it's a good deal. How many agree with me that's a good deal? Mitch, Jay, same thing. $10,000, $10,000. All I want you to do, give $1,000 to take care of my bride to make sure her needs are met. You can do whatever you want with the rest of the money. Okay, I, I go on a trip. Nine months later, I call my wife. I say, you know, honey, how's it going? Are the guys taking care of you? I just want to make sure, you know, they're taking care of you, that your needs are met. Uh, how's Blake doing? She goes, well, you know, Blake, you know, the first month gave me $1,000. Uh, then the sec second month, he gave me $800. Third month, I only got $500 from Blake. And the last six months, I haven't heard from him. I said, well, how's uh, Mitch doing? Uh, she goes, well, never heard from Mitch, not even the first month. Don't know what happened to Mitch. So, well, how's Jay doing? She says, well, you know, Jay gave $1,000 the first month. Then the second month, he gave $2,000. The third month, he gave $3,000. And then the last six months, he's been giving me $3,000 every month for the last six months. So as the master, when I come back to town, what am I going to do with uh, Blake and Mitch here? They're not getting any more money. Guess what? I'm going to be giving all of my money to Jay because I can trust him. He's been faithful, and he's taking care of my bride. You guys can sit down. Does that make sense? Technically speaking, how the tithe works. See, God owns everything. So you return the tithe to the Lord. And if you don't return the tithe to the Lord, guess what the Bible says? It says you are stealing. You are robbing God. Well, you say, well, how? Let me, let me say it like this. Patrick, I'm going on a trip next week. I want you to take me to the airport. While I'm gone, you can borrow my car. Uh, so for whatever, during the week, take my car, do whatever you want with it, you know, borrow my car at the end of the week. Then Patrick, a week later, picks me up at the airport. Uh, I get in the car with Patrick, and Patrick says, you know, this week God's been speaking to me. 
and the Lord's really, you know, put something on my heart, and uh, uh, Pastor, I just want to give you this car. It's my car. He's not giving me my, he's returning the key back to me. It's mine. I don't need him to give me my car back. I need him to return it back to me. That's what the, and you, but wait a second. How can you steal from God? How, you know, come on, Pastor. How am I robbing from God? Well, look at Malachi 3, verse 8. The Bible very directly says in Malachi 3, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. See, God is saying his people aren't returning the first and the best, and they're not living the blessed life. It's actually quite the opposite. Look at Malachi 3, verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, let me set up the historical context of what is going here. Uh, for years, God had blessed the people of Israel. For years, they were blessed. Their, their herds were multiplying. Their livestock was multiplying. Their crops, they were fruitful. They were blessed. And for years, they faithfully returned the tithe back to the house of God. Faithfully returned it. And then what began to happen is, is, is they just got so blessed, God kept giving them more and more and more, kept multiplying the wealth, that the people began to say, you know, I just can't give a tithe back to God. That's just too much. I mean, God has blessed us with so much. Does he understand how much a tithe is? A tithe, you know, you know, you know back then it was easy to tithe because it was just a few dollars. Now the tithe, I mean, this is like, you know, this is $100,000 checks I have to be writing to God to give him. T- I just can't do that. And so the people stopped tithing and they began to negotiate it out with God. Well, you know, we can't give our best to God because we need to keep the genetics in our herd. We want the genetically best animals to continue to reproduce. So here, God, why don't you take this broken down sheep with a broken leg and a busted eye and, you know, we'll give this to you, God. But this genetically fine specimen, we're going to keep. And they began to withhold from God. And as they began to withhold from God their tent, you can study it in the Bible Famine began to happen. Their crops stopped producing. Their livestock stopped producing. The blessing began to live. The economy began to fall apart. God basically said, fine, if you don't want to do it the way I commanded you, if you don't want to remember me, if you don't want to honor me, then I'm just going to let you do it without me. And the economy just began to tank. Everything began to fall apart. I don't know, but kind of sounds like the world we live in today. God, we can do it without you. We don't need to honor you anymore. We don't need to put you first in our country anymore. Let's try and see what happens if we do it without God. See, they forgot to give God their first and their best. And what I want to talk about this morning quickly is there's three blessings that comes on the tithe. Three blessings I want to talk about. There are many blessings, but I want to specifically focus on three this morning. Number one, the tithe provides for God's work through his church. The tithe provides for God's work through his established local church. Malachi 3 verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The storehouse was always the Old Testament picture of what the New Testament church is. And that's what's happening today. See, many of you each week, you come to the house of God, you return your tithes so that there may be spiritual food in the house of God. And that's what you're receiving this morning. You're receiving the word of God, which is spiritual food. And for many of you, this has been the number one source of spiritual nourishment in your life for many, many years. 
In fact, when you plugged into the church, you began to thrive spiritually. You began to thrive emotionally. You begin to thrive physically. And I can promise you, if you stand on the outside looking in, if you don't get fully engaged or fully involved and you just kind of come and go and just sit on the sidelines, you're not really going to grow spiritually. And you're going to find yourself in a world of trouble if you're not plugged into the local church. But when you get plugged in, you're going to soar spiritually. As you digest the word of God and you begin to apply it to your daily lives, you begin to grow in areas you never thought you could grow. You begin to see blessing in your life like you never thought. When you get involved in in Acts chapter 2, these biblical life groups, all of a sudden you've got Christian friends praying for you and loving you, encouraging you, supporting you, challenging you, and all of a sudden your life just begins to flourish. That's what we're seeing happen in the life of Cameron as he shared his testimonies. He's got plugged into the church. The church has began to change his life. Now think about it. What would happen in America today if every Christian, every follower of Jesus Christ tithed? What would happen in America today? There'd be no welfare system. There would be no welfare system in America today if every believer tithed. Why? Because the church would wipe out the welfare system. We would take care, and we would not just give handouts, but we would teach people how to change their life so they didn't have to stay in the situation they were in. We'd have grace on them, but we would also raise them up out of the situation, and we would literally wipe out the entire welfare system in America if every believer in America tithed. Do you know what the average tithe worldwide for believers is? 1.8%. That's what Christians worldwide on average give back to God. Over 8% 8 less than what God has asked us to give. What if we all tithe? Number two, the tithe teaches me to put God first. The tithe teaches me to put God. God first. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 23. The Living Bible Translation, I love the Living Bible Translation because it really explains this verse in, in the true meaning. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of the tithe is to teach you to put God first. Here's the beauty. As a believer, I can't think of a more tangible and a more practical way in our lives where we can actually put God first, where we can consciously make a decision each week to choose God first. Let me give you an example. Right now, as I look into the eyes of some of the people here this morning, I can tell you who's a tither and who's not a tither. It's clear. It's, you might as well be holding up a sign over your head, who's a tither and who's not a tither. I mean, that, that's how clear, because the tithers... This morning, you're kicked back, you're smiling, you're agreeing with everything I'm saying, you're, you're comfortable, you're relaxed, you, you, you just get it. You, you know what I'm talking about. Then the non-tithers, you know, you're kind of shifting, you're nervous, you're, man, I wish I wouldn't have come to church today. Are you, come on, pastor, are you serious? You're telling me 10%? Are you, 10%? You have no idea, Pat. I can't give 10%. You're worried, you're nervous, you're saying, do you really, if I I gave 10%, do you know what that would mean? Do you know what that would take for me to give 10% of my income? That I would have to rearrange everything. I would have to reprioritize my entire life. I would have to make major changes to put God first. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. That is exactly what I'm telling you. That is precisely what I'm saying. This is a very tangible and a very practical way that you have the honor. 
You have the privilege to rearrange your life and choose to put God first. You may not drink your expensive coffee to put God first. You may not have cable television to put God first. You may have to drive your car for five years instead of three years to put God first. You may not even able to get your season tickets to your, oh, wait right there. I think I just crossed the line for some of you. I think I just stepped on your one true God. Is that what I'm telling you? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you have the honor this morning to rearrange and reprioritize your entire life around God. The tithe, 10%, provides for the work through his church. We give offerings above that, but the church is God's chosen vessel to impact the world. And the tithe teaches me to put God first. The last point, number three, the tithe increases my faith in God. The tithe increases my faith in God. Let me explain it. Here's what the tithe does. The tithe teaches me that 90% of my income with the blessings of God can go further than 100% of my income without God's blessing. So you, you get to choose right now as a Christian, do you want to live on 100% of your income cursed or 90% of your income blessed? It's your choice. You make the decision today. And what is a blessing? What is a curse? Well, a blessing is a consequence of obedience, and a curse is a consequence of disobedience. You choose today. What do you want to do? Do you want to live with 100% of your income cursed or 90% of your income blessed? And those of you that are tithers this morning, you're nodding your head right now. You know what I'm saying. I mean, it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up. I've done it. I've tried to calculate it. I've tried to figure it out. But it just works. You know, look, Pastor, if I pay the 10%, I'm not going to get through the month. It doesn't matter. It just works. You know, God asked my wife and I this year to step up our tithe from 10% to 20%. And when God asked me to do that, coming here, you know, we had to sacrifice to make this move to be the pastor here. And then God says, not only are you going to sacrifice, but I want you to give 20% of all of your income back to me. That was tough. Because I did the math, and it didn't add up. We were short. after the, And I said, God, don't you understand? If I give 20%, we're going to be short each month. We're not going to have enough money to get through the month if I give 20% back to you. And you know what the miracle is? Every single month since we've been here, God's provided. We're short literally some months, about $900 to $1,000. And every single month, God provides what we need to get through the month. Because we decided we were going to trust God. See, it teaches you to trust God. It increases your faith when you begin to tithe. Because it doesn't make sense mathematically all the time. But it increases your faith. A friend of mine had a guy in his church that God was blessing him. His company just exploded. He went to the range where he was making over a million dollars a year. And he was talking to my friend about it. And my friend said, wow, that is incredible. You must love being able to write your tie check every month. That's got to be amazing. I mean, that's probably over $100,000 a month. You're able to, or, or, or whatever, over, able to tithe off a million-dollar income. And I said, well, you know, Pastor, i got to be honest. It, it, we just can't bring ourselves to write that check. We just can't do it. I mean, that's a lot of money, Pastor. You see, it was different when we made $30,000 a year. It was easy to tithe. When, we made, when, when God blessed us with $40,000 a year, it was easy to tithe. When we were making $80,000 a year, it was easy to tithe. But, Pastor, if we wrote 10% of a million-dollar income, we just can't bring ourselves to write that check. 
But then he said, I want you to pray that God keeps blessing. And my friend said, I'll absolutely pray for you. I'll pray that God reduces your income back to the point where you can trust him again. He said, no, pastor, don't do that. He said, absolutely. I'm going to pray every day that God brings you back to the point where you can trust him again. The tithe teaches us to trust God. It builds our faith. This is the crazy thing. God is testing us, but not only is God testing you, but God says something very unique. God says, test me back. God says, I want you to test me. So not only is God testing you, but God wants you to test him. And some of you are scared to test God. Why? Because you think, you know, because you love your money and you don't want to test God. You don't want to find out if what God is saying in the word of God is real and true. And you don't, you, you just, why? Because you think money is your source. And God is saying, I'm going to give you a chance to test me. I'm going to give you a chance to see how good I really am. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 again. Malachi 3, verse 10. The Bible says, and try me now. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there's not going to be enough room to receive it all. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. God's saying, test me, test me, test me. See, if you study the Bible, numbers have meanings. See, the number seven was God's number. It was the number of perfection. The number six was one less than seven, and it was Satan's number, 666. But the number 10 in the Bible always stood for testing. When God wanted to test us on obedience, how many commandments did he give us? 10. When God tested Pharaoh's heart, how many plagues did he send? 10. How many virgins were there in the New Testament that were prepared to see the return of the bridegroom? 10. How many lepers did Jesus heal to test to see who had a grateful heart? 10. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. I was just testing you. (laughs) Ten is the number of God's testing. God wants to know, will you love and trust me, or will you love and trust money? Will you return the 10% to God? let Let me share a funny story about my life. I grew up Baptist, and in the Baptist church, you had no choice but to tithe. I mean, they would hunt you down. They would send loan sharks to your house if you weren't tithing. I mean, that was the Baptist church I grew up in. And so I was scared to death from the time I was little not to tithe because I was taught if you tithe, you're opening up your life for curse. And so for years, I wasn't a believer. I, you know, I ran away from the church, ran away from God because of my past. You know, I was out of the church. I was involved in drugs and alcohol, and, and I was just a mess. My whole life was just a mess. But I never not tithe. See, I was scared to death. If I didn't tithe, I wouldn't have enough money for drugs. So every month, I would send 10% of my income to my mom's church because I was scared if I didn't tithe, I wouldn't have enough money to to live my wild lifestyle. And you know what? I always had enough money. I'm not saying that God provided for my drug habit, but I am saying God honored his word. Tithing works. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, tithing works. And I can trace every blessing in my life back to when I learned how to truly tithe and honor God with it. Now, I want to be very clear. I am anti-prosperity gospel. I despise the prosperity message in America. I'm not telling you if you tithe, God's going to make you a millionaire. That's not what this is about. This is about teaching the word of God with what the Bible says regarding money. God says, test me, test me, test me. This is a test. This is a blessed test. Now, 
just pause for a moment because there's some of you right now, and as a pastor, anytime you talk about tithe, you get one argument over and over and over from people. And the argument is this, well, pastor, that was Old Testament law. We don't live under the Old Testament law anymore. We live under grace. You know, we're, we're not part of the law. We're not bound to the law. That was, that was a law. Well, actually, the tithing predates the law. Abraham tied the Melchizedek 400 plus years before the law was ever established. So tithing was a principle that was around long before the law. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, read it when you get home today, Jesus clearly affirms the tithe, not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament clearly affirms that you should not leave the tithe undone in your life. So even in the New Testament, Jesus supports and affirms the tithe. And if you really want to take it and say, well, well, I I don't want to live under law. I'm going to live under grace. Grace always required more than what the law required. See, Jesus said it like this. You heard it say, where in the law? Thou shalt not commit murder. But I tell you, if you even think hatred in your heart to your brother, you've committed murder. See, the grace required more than the law. Jesus said, you heard it say, where the law? Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you even think of a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. So every time I meet someone that says, well, I don't believe in tithing, brother, because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I say, wonderful. Then what are you giving, like 20, 30% to God? Because grace always expects more than what the law required. So if you want to use the grace argument, make sure you're doing more than what the law required because grace always expected more than what the law required. This is it. Now, now let, let's, let's, let's come to the closing quickly. Tithe is just the beginning. Tithing breaks the grip of materialism in your life. Tithing breaks the grip. See, are you trusting money or are you trusting God? Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 as I close with this. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See, it requires faith to give the first. It doesn't require faith, as I said, to give it at the end of the month. It doesn't require faith to give your last. It requires faith to give your first fruits. And in fact, this is exactly how God gave to us. This is exactly how God demonstrated giving to us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God didn't give before we got saved, or God didn't give after we got saved. God gave before we got saved. God gave his son in faith that some of us here today would accept the gift that Christ gave us when he died on the cross. And when you really study it out, tithing is not about money. It's about redemption. Tithing is about redemption. God tithed. God gave his first fruit. God gave his son as a tithe to redeem us from a life of sin. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. We weren't saved yet, but God gave in faith. God gave his first fruit in faith that we would get saved. And that's what the tithe is all about. The tithe is a redemption principle because money is born with the spirit of mammon. The spirit of mammon is on our money. And as we tithe, as we give our first fruit, we are actually redeeming our money from the spirit of mammon so that the blessed spirit of God can come upon our finances, come upon our increase, come upon our career, come upon our family, come upon our marriage. There are so many aspects of blessing to the blessed life when you line yourself up in biblical obedience. This is not my opinion this morning. This is the word of God. 
And I want you to understand what the Bible says about tithing because it's not preached in the church the way it should be preached in America because people have perverted the message of money and pastors are scared to talk about money. We don't teach people. And because of it, we've actually crippled many believers today who aren't living the blessed life because they don't understand one of the foundations of the blessed life is learning how to be obedient with the tithe. It never makes sense to me. How can you trust God with the salvation of your soul? Think about this. How can you trust God with heaven or hell, the entire salvation of your soul, but yet you can't even trust him with 10% of your income? Does that make any sense? I mean, you have enough faith in God to keep you from going to hell when you die, but you don't have enough faith in God to provide for you if you give 10% of your income to him. I never understood that. Why? Because money is the number one competitor for your heart. Money is a counterfeit God, and you've got to learn how to redeem your income through the redemption principle of the tithe. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I know for some of you, this was a very difficult and a very tough message. Some of you felt very uncomfortable this morning listening to this message. And it's sad that in the church today, when you preach the Bible, people feel uncomfortable. Because there's so many elements of the Bible people don't want to preach because they're scared to offend people. They don't love people enough to share truth with them. And this morning, I want you to know that I did love you enough to share truth with you. And I know for some of you it was painful and for some of you it hurt. But the Holy Spirit is challenging you right now. And I want to ask with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're not a tither this morning, you know you're not, you're not, you know, maybe you're giving 1% or 2%, but it's just a token to God. You haven't literally learned to trust God with 10% of your income. You haven't gotten to the point where you can trust him with that. But this morning, this message was very challenging. This very message was very convicting. And you're saying to yourself, I want to test God. I want to see, just, just test him for the next 90 days. Just for the next 90 days, test God to see if he'll provide for you, to see if he'll take care of you. If, if you learn how to faithfully give your first fruit, that first 10% of all your increase, of all your earn, just test him to see if he'll provide for you. I know for some of you, it's going to be a huge step of faith. It's going to be a, a huge challenge. You're going to have to make major adjustments in your life to be able to do it. But I want to challenge you this morning. Don't take my word for it. Take this home today in prayer. Go get alone with your Bible and really ask God, did, is, did what the preacher say this morning, is that really from you, God? Is, is he just you know, taking things out of context, or is that really in the word? Is that really what you're saying? And, and ask him. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. So with no one looking around, every eye closed, if this morning you want to make a decision to become a tither, to test God, just for the next 90 days, I want a chance to pray for you quickly, just that God would, really, I don't even need to pray that God will show himself faithful because the Bible says he'll show himself faithful. So I don't even need to pray about it, but I'm going to pray for you that you'll have the courage to test God in this. So with every eye closed, no one looking around, if you'd like me to pray for you, to take the challenge, to test God, to see if you can trust him with your income, see if you can trust him with your first fruit. Would you just slip your hand up quickly with no one looking around? Thank you, thank you. All of them, slip your hand up quickly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those that raised their hand this morning, they want to test you. As you told them to test you, God, 
Lord, and I don't need to ask that you provide for them because I know without a doubt you're going to be faithful to them. You are faithful, God. There's no doubt in my mind that as they trust you, as they, as, as they return the first 10, as they return that, that first fruit, God, that 10% back to you, you will provide for them, you will bless them. Your word says it, God, and you are not a liar. So I pray, God, that you will allow them to follow through in testing you, God, so that they can begin to see blessings that they've never seen before, they've never experienced before, they've never known before, not just in their pocketbook, but in their entire life, Lord. Bless them in every way, God. Bless them in every way. For some of them, you will bless them financially, God. For some of them, you're going to bless their marriages. For some of them, you're going to bless their health, God. But Lord, we don't want to rob from you anymore. We don't want to steal from you anymore. We don't want to withhold, God, what is yours. But Lord, we're making a decision today to faithfully return it to you. And then let me ask anyone here this morning who needs to have the first redemption principle in your life, and that's the redemption principle of salvation. God tithed his son, Jesus Christ. God gave his first fruit to redeem you from a life of sin so that you could have a relationship with the Father. If you need the first step, which is salvation, would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? If you want to be saved this morning, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ this morning, just slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those that raise their hand to accept you, God, for those that raise their hand to make a decision that they need to be saved, they need to be redeemed from a life of sin so that they can have a life with you, Father. Right now, save them, Lord. They raise their hand, God, and do something powerful in their life. If you raised your hand for salvation, please come find me or find one of the leaders after service and let them know you raised your hand for salvation this morning so we can pray for you and we can encourage you and give you the next steps of being a believer. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close in a quick song. I know I know, I went about five minutes longer than we normally try to do here, but when you're talking about money, you've got to get it right. You can't rush a message like this because there's so much perverted doctrine around money that I needed just a few more minutes today to really explain to you biblically what the Bible says about the tithe. So I hope you understand my heart. This is not going to be a common thing. I know last week with Founders Day, we were a few minutes longer, and today we were a few minutes longer. It's not going to be a common thing, but I did need just a couple more minutes to make sure you got the message. Let's just worship God as we close today. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Yeah, tell the world that. Yeah, tell the world that. Tell the world that he died for them. Yeah, tell the world that he lives again. Come on, church. Yeah, tell the world that Jesus lives. Tell the world that, yeah, tell the world that, tell the world that he died for them, tell the world that he lives again. Let's lift this one up, come on.